0: What is Off the Groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far, or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack.
1: Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler.
0: April the 12th, 2019, episode 73 of Off the Groove is coming at you.
2: You know what comes after episode 73, don't you? 74. Oh, you do know. Okay. Ooh, man, I was glad I was prepared. Anyways, what's going on? Not much,
0: man. Just uh, taking it easy. I didn't do a whole lot of nothing last weekend, which was nice. And now I get to start eight weekends in a row of talking about things I love.
2: Wait, is there a Grand National this weekend? No, I'm doing a monster truck show up in Enid, <laughs> oh, Oklahoma. Back to his roots, ladies and gentlemen. Monster uh, Jam. Is it Monster Jam? The- what is? You do like oh, three different monster, monster Jam. Trucks.
0: This is actually, it's for Linda Beckley. And uh, it's just a, a monster truck series.
2: Same deal though, right? Like big, big trucks.
0: Oh yeah, big trucks running yeah. over stuff, nice. crashing stuff, making the kids stand and up then and destroying
2: destroying their vehicles at the end of the night to yep, exactly appease the fans. I love it. Yep. I've only been and to then, one monster truck thing, but it was pretty badass.
0: Which one did you go to? Monster Jam. Where at? Here in Jacksonville. Oh no, shit! This- it was
2: in Tampa. It was in Tampa. Tampa.
0: i thought it was i thought you said that before yeah is that the raymond james stadium
2: or whatever yep down in tampa bay yeah where the That's bucks awesome. play did it
0: rain did it rain it did
2: rain how did you know yeah. that
0: because most of the monster jams <laughs> that go to tampa it rains and it's a big soupy mess but the fans are just hardcore and they go no matter what
2: i still had a blast it was a good time i didn't know what to expect when i went in but i had a good time um so wait no grand national oh it's, we're a week away from round three right
0: eight days from round three of the texas half mile yeah i guess it's presented by al lambs dallas honda now
2: yeah texas everything's bigger and better there
0: that's what they say especially that convenience store right by the track
2: uh don't get me started about bucky's
0: i'm just throwing that out there i'm gonna I'm I'm start that early and also you know what else they have down there
2: beaver nuggets
0: i'll stop it you, No, i'm talking in and out burger
2: who cares it? Well, I care about In-N-Out. Dude, I do. Ben Lau cares about In-N-Out.
0: That's right. He was on, he told us all about that on his that's podcast. That's his thing. He
2: wants us, he wants them to sponsor. I think ben In-N-Out should sponsor Ben Lau on the production class. That'd be awesome. Yeah. In-N-Out leathers. That'd be great. But let's talk more about beaver nuggets. I've never had any, so
0: I don't know what you're talking
2: about. You need to get a big old bag of beaver nuggets. What is it? Are you serious? Yes, I know. I don't know what they are. Oh my God, they're the most delicious, unhealthy I, thing you I've could ever to, eat.
0: I've been to Bucky's, but I get lost in there. Cause no. it's, it's the biggest convenience store I've ever dude, been in.
2: if you do yourself any favors in the next couple weeks or in the next two weeks when you're there, go into that Bucky's and ask somebody at the, in a Bucky's T-shirt that's working there where can I find the Beaver Nuggets. Okay. It's awesome, dude. It's life changing. I'll report
0: back to you i'll report back to you in nine days
2: send me a bag of beaver nuggets oh my gosh all right enough about beaver nuggets so you want to talk some flat track
0: yeah i think the biggest thing i want to talk about is the brand new championship rings from tdfj tommy duma outdid himself every
2: year year He yeah man
0: there are three awesome rings and i what i like is he's actually stepped up and he's going to give one to the brand new production twins
2: class. Hell yeah, he is. Why not? That's awesome. They got three series. I'm glad to see that that third, uh, that third series is getting a ring too. And damn, those rings are sweet. I'm telling you, dude, that every year when, you know, he, what is it? Lima, he usually brings them. I don't know. When he usually oh. comes to a race, he usually right. brings them and shows them or walks them around. I remember going doing the pit walk, walking with him and showing people the rings and their li- their right. eyes just light up. They're like, I want that ring. They all want
0: those rings because yeah. it's one of a kind. They're all different, and it's it's Custom. a one off. So you're Customs gonna have something that that's not nobody else is ever 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 gonna have.
2: And that's him. You know, when we talk to him, that's something him and his son does every year, right? That's like a both tradition. of his sons, the
0: twins. Yeah, yeah, they both help him out. That's
2: badass. I love it. Yeah, and the, the, that's gonna be badass to see um, who who's wearing those at the end of the year too.
0: I think all three of them are up for grabs. Obviously, we haven't had a production twins race yet. But we'll see that in texas and then you know the the twins championships up for grabs the singles championships up for grabs yeah you know we're we're just two races in to finding out of an 18 race series so anybody can take those rings home
2: well we'll save our uh, our texas half mile preview for next week you know that's that's going to lead okay. into that race but I, I thought you know since we uh we have another off week so to speak here um we talk about you know you don't want to stray from the flat track but there is some flat tracking going on to texas this week you know what I'm talking right. about? so
0: yeah so there's there's a super hooligan race yeah. downtown austin texas and it coincides with the moto gp that's racing there in austin so uh it sounds like one heck of an event
2: yeah it's pretty good to be it's, it's like a tt track there too right like is that what i hear that's what i've been hearing too so i yeah. i can't wait to talk to the guest
0: you have lined up because he he knows a little bit more about it than we do because uh he's he's all about the super hooligan series
2: oh well, i appreciate you trying to give me credit for this one but this one was all you scotty Ward, the producer had this week and reached out oh, to our good. guests and uh scored scored an awesome guest dude like i'm telling you what we've talked to two so far but this is the third hooligan rider i love talking to these guys like i love hearing their stories it's a, it's a lot like our pro riders that we talk to um but completely different if you and you know what i mean like it, a lot yeah, of the same he, stories how they got into motorcycle riding and stuff is it or similar but it's a completely different animal right
0: And how they get to the races and then you know the struggles they have trying to get to the races and stuff like that and every one of them have a story just like our aft pro riders do so uh, i'm excited about it too and and he's i've been following this guy for a while uh it's jordan baber he's number 27 the super hooligans riders and he's fast he's already won a dash for cash earlier this year in portland and yeah. and he's sitting pretty good in the point standings already in 2019
2: yeah and i mean he's he's been doing decent the past couple of years too i didn't know much about him towards until the end of uh towards the end of last year when you bought that t-shirt and then you got me a t-shirt too i, I love the t-shirts um and i've been following him his socials pretty entertaining too uh, good old boy from the Midwest love seeing uh, love seeing his stories on Instagram and stuff as he as he travels the circuit and uh, he's up there running up there with Andy Debrino um, didn't he beat he beat out George, uh, Joe Cop for that dash for cash in Portland right so like yeah he's running right up there with him in his mid-20s still kind of young right um, be interesting to see what he does this year in that series
0: yeah, just 26 years old, a kid, and you know, he's got a lot of potential, and he he chose not to keep his AFT card and, and go pro racing. He says, I'm having too much fun racing the, the Super Hooligan Series, so I think we should give him a call.
2: Let's give him a call. Yeah.
1: Cat, oh, my God, the cat's going again. I'll take care of
0: that. He said, call me whenever. Just
2: that. All right, I'm down. I'm going to close the door so we don't hear the cat.
1: Hello.
0: Is this the corn star? (laughs) That's what they say, anyways. (laughs) Well, that's what it says on the back of the shirts I bought. It says uh, Jordan Baber on the front and says the corn star on it. Man, uh, it's nice catching up with you. What have you been up to?
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure. I've, uh, I've just been working my little tail off trying to get ready for a, for a new style of race to the super hooligan series. Uh, we're, uh, we're going to be racing, uh, on an asphalt TT this weekend in Austin, Texas.
0: Wow. That sounds pretty interesting. I think we'll get into that a little bit further on. I'm, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that, but, uh, you know, I've been a fan of yours for the last probably the last three or four seasons. And, uh, I don't remember if we've ever even officially talked in the pits. I know I said your name quite a bit because it's kind of a, a different, unusual name like mine is hard to say. Yours is actually Baber. I was told to say it. It's like paper, but with B's.
1: Yeah, yes, sir. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember um the amateur nationals in 2014. I remember yeah. coming up in uh in between the heat races in Maine and going, Hey man, it's Baber, and you were like, Oh, I know. I work with your aunt. I know how to say your last name. <laughs> Dang it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was messing it up the first time. Were you were you riding in the amateur classes or were you riding some vintage stuff? Or what were you what were you doing that day?
1: I think at that point I was on my four fifty racing uh, the amateur nationals. Um, right. I remember Davis Fisher slamming me out of third place in the short track in the main event. <laughs> right, you that yeah. much.
0: <laughs> well, some of the, some of those kids are pretty aggressive, you know.
1: Oh yeah, it's, that's short tracking for you. Yeah, absolutely. So let's
0: dive in. Let's get to know Jordan Baber a little bit. So where were you born?
1: I was born in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, I grew up in Carlisle, Iowa, little small town just outside Des Moines, and uh, still currently live there even.
0: Wow. So what's it like growing up uh, in Carlisle, Iowa?
1: It's a little slower than a lot of the uh, big cities I've traveled to racing in the past years. I, I can tell you that much. <laughs> it's pretty great. You know, there's a lot of wide open fields to, uh, to build a track on after the crops get picked and get a little practice in for the race season.
0: <laughs> okay. So you just go cut a track out of a field and get some practice on
1: main fields are the ones to go for. Cause you know, you don't have the old corn stalks sticking up, trying to stab you.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. I guess that's uh, learning from experience, it sounds like.
1: There you go. All
0: right. So how did you first get into motorcycles?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. it It's all thanks to my father, really. Um, my first memory, in fact, was riding on the gas tank of a uh, 46 WR okay. factory flat track bike that uh, he had just got done restoring and uh you know it's all it's been all downhill since then <laughs> oh my <laughs> so gosh that,
0: that's an amazing first memory i i can't even imagine sitting on a 46 harley much less riding on one for your first ride that's that's impressive i love that
1: yes sir yes sir it's been pretty great growing up with my old man he's um he's been in the uh, harley world uh professional wise since the late 70s and, uh, and then when my oldest sister got too old to go to daycare, dad opened his own custom motorcycle shop out at our house in Carlisle. And, uh, so I grew up in the shop, learning from him and riding mini bikes all summer long when, uh, when I was a kid and, and, uh, just riding around the woods and around the cornfields out here. And that's where it all got started.
0: Well, what's the name of your dad's shop? If you don't mind.
1: Babercycle. all
0: right i love it so yes, sir. when did you first race motorcycles
1: you know i actually didn't start racing until a later age um if you if you'd compare it to a lot of the um a lot of the pros i was running with uh i think my first race was 2008 which would make me 14 or 15 just had some friends that were into it around uh the local iowa scene and my mom never wanted me to race as a kid. Um, in fact, in 1993, the year I was born, there was a race at the state fairgrounds here in Iowa. And my parents were at the race and watched, unfortunately watched the fatality happen. Um, and ever since then my mom was anti-racing, but, uh, one weekend my dad and my best friend's dad, kind of lied to our moms about where we were going and snuck us <laughs> off to our first motorcycle race.
0: <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. So did you come home yeah. with a trophy? I did. I got third
1: in my first race ever.
0: Did you have to hide that from your mom?
1: <laughs> I didn't hide that from my mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so was your dad in trouble?
1: Nope. You know, it was all over with. It's not like you could take it back. So, <laughs> All right.
0: I love it. So, uh, what was it about motorcycle racing that appealed to you?
1: Well, you know, I just grew up on a motorcycle and I just really loved going fast and what better way to go fast than on a racetrack.
0: Yeah. I love that for sure. So did you try anything else besides flat track?
1: Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of racing around, um, central Iowa when I grew up. So there was some, there were some motocross tracks around here that were local and i tried that out a few times and had some fun and got my first two concussions racing motocross <laughs> and then yep, uh, yep. this decided maybe uh maybe i'd try out flat track it was really all attributed to the george family and if you're familiar with the flat track world you'll know the george's uh, one brother made hot shoes for decades and the other brother still makes the leathers that we wear and a third brother had a awesome motorcycle track in his backyard my dad got to know him through their father when he was restoring that wr that i had my first memory on and uh, just wound up hanging out over there and going riding over there on their flat track growing up and just got comfortable with the flat track and, uh, all the people involved with the sport and, and, uh, we had, uh, we've had fun ever since then.
0: Right on the Georges are some of the nicest people I've ever met. I mean, Matt George and Kelly George, they've been going to the races for a long time. I actually, uh, raced a lot of Matt Georges races. there, uh, coming up through the ranks myself. So up in Iowa and we went all over the place and had a good time with them. So, uh, that's, that's a pretty cool deal. I didn't know they had a, a racetrack in their backyard. I would have been better friends to them, I guess.
1: Yeah. 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 I remember Jake Johnson and Sammy Halbert stopping by at their racetrack and hanging out on their off weekends of traveling. And, you know, Matt George promoted races in Davenport, Iowa for 25 years straight, Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, he just sold that recently. He was trying to get me to come up there and announce the last couple of races for him, and it just never worked out because I'm usually in Springfield or already doing something for Steve Nace or something like that. So I've been to I've been to the Davenport sure. race once or twice, but I never got to announce it. I actually watched my grandpa race there a few times, and and uh, Dale Jones, our, one of our current tech officials, I watched him race there too. But I'm getting off the sidetrack here, so let's get back on. I want to talk more about you. So you actually had a pro license for a little while. When did you get it, and how long did you have it?
1: Yes, sir, I did halfway through the 2015 season, I got my pro singles license. And then in 2016, I had my license for a full year, but I don't know. I never raced the national, uh, just, just switching to getting your pro license and dealing with all the hoops you had to jump through to, to run the AMA pro series had already kind of broke me and never got the opportunity to travel to get to the, uh nationals and try and qualify for nationals but um in 2015 I had my first hooligan race just by a total fluke and uh after that I pretty much decided that racing hooligans sounded a lot more fun and fulfilling than racing the AMA Pro series
0: well is there a story there about your first hooligan race I'm I'm pretty sure I remember this one
1: Oh, yeah. So we heard about this race thanks to our good friends from uh, Ronnie at Speed Merchant and Suicide Machine Boys. My sponsor at the time was FTW Co., still my sponsor, good buddies from uh, Des Moines, Iowa here. And they heard about this race. I was working at the, the local Harley dealership at the time. We found a 1987 Sportster laying in the back of my buddy's shop. On a pallet, had been totaled, (laughs) and we built a race bike out of it in six days. Oh, man. Stealing. Yeah, we stole parts off of my vintage bike and parts off of my buddy's Dinah, his street bike. And on the eighth day, we were in Sturgis and lapped up to third place. On the Sturgis half mile? Um, On the historic Sturgis half mile. Yes, sir.
0: Dude. Your name is on the winner's list at the historic Surge's Half Mile. That's pretty cool. I was lucky enough that my grandpa won there, my dad won there, and I actually won there once or twice. But, uh,
1: man, that's pretty oh, wow. cool. That's
0: that's that's pretty damn impressive. To, to, that, that, that was your first hooligan race, and you got there and win and lap up to third?
1: First one ever. I grew up racing a uh, three, uh, 350 Honda and a couple of old Triumph Twins. And that I think really transferred more into riding this big, heavy Sportster than you know, grown up on the little two-strokes and high-performance, lightweight 250s and 450s and the likes of that.
0: I gotcha. So, do you still have that 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 Sportster that you won the first Sturgis race on? Do you still have that one?
1: No, unfortunately, my buddy was just letting me borrow it, and the week after we got home from Sturgis from that first race. We took all of our parts back off of it, and it's still <laughs> sitting on a pallet with just, with just being totaled. The frame was bent. In fact, we found out at a later date. <laughs> okay,
0: all right. So it's just a uh, it's just a momentum a memento sitting over there on a pallet now. Yes, sir. I got you. So we we kind of understand why that uh, you ride the the Harley because you got roots with your dad. So. Can you answer why Joe Cop would ride a Triumph? I mean, is it just personal preference or is it just something a bike that you can get a hold of?
1: Well, you know, Joe Cop can ride any motorcycle on this planet to 120% of its potential. (laughs) Yes, sir. I agree. So I don't think it's necessarily a preference, just maybe more of a um, smart marketing move because he seems to be the only guy out there really competing on a Triumph.
0: All right, I like it. I like your answer there. So, your twenty seventeen was your first full season on the on the Super Hooligans Tour. You finished fourth in the points. Twenty eighteen finished second in the points. So, was twenty eighteen a successful year to you?
1: You know, twenty eighteen wasn't even as successful as twenty seventeen, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, in in twenty seventeen, I won more races than I did in eighteen. Um, eighteen was just more of a consistent year, um, 17. I actually didn't even get into it until three races into the point series. So I, I missed the first three rounds. Otherwise I think I'd have done better in 17. All right.
0: I gotcha. We kind of, we kind of already answered the question a little bit, but why do you still ride the Harley sportster?
1: Where do I begin? In fact, <laughs> let's see. My dad has made a living out of building high performance Harley motors since the late seventies. So there's a big history there, you know, so much. So in fact, when I grew up as a kid and first started riding dirt bikes, my dad took pride in the fact that he didn't own a metric tool in our entire garage. (laughs) Wow. So the, so the Harley's really, was just a natural choice. You know, I shoot, I got enough spare Harley parts hanging out around dad's shop that, we could build a whole nother race bike in a week or two. Wow. Uh the, the Sportster really is the best tool for what we're doing. You know, um the the pros ran the 883 series for what, 8 years or so? Yep. Back in the 90s. Sure did. So, so pretty much any part that you want to make this thing handle and act like a dirt tracker has already been developed by Scott Parker and the likes of them. So, why try and go R and D a new Ducati when all the custom parts to make this a trick race bike has already been developed?
0: That's awesome. That's a great answer. I, I never thought of it that way. I mean, the the 8A3 that I used to race is actually sitting up in uh, Topeka, Kansas, at historic Harley Davidson on display, and and that makes a lot of sense. I could probably go pick that bike up, you know, dust it off, and go racing with you guys.
1: Absolutely, you could. Terry Vestal, in fact, that's exactly what he's done. He's got his old 883R out from the 883 series and come out, and he is whooping up on a lot of us.
0: The TV dinner himself.
1: Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> i love i love that nickname that that fits in perfect so uh let's yeah. talk about the season finale in 2018 it was a it was a barn burner there's like four of you a few points apart you know everybody's chasing andy Debrino out there but you go out there to the the moto beach classic T- tell us about that day
1: oh that was a wild day that's one of my favorite memories you know i wasn't i didn't have high hopes looking at the track and everything but just run consistent and smooth lines and had a trick or two up my sleeve. I don't think any of the other competitors did and uh, wound up just getting a good hole shot and winning the season finale. It was amazing.
0: That's awesome. And there was tons of people there at a big concert afterwards, man. It looked like one hell of an event.
1: Oh, buddy, was it? There was, I think 47,000 people came to that event. It was just insane. On the beach, like on the sand in Huntington beach, Roland sands knows how to put on one hell of an event
0: sounds like it man i'm gonna have to go there this year i heard there's there's one in, in florida this year too right
1: tentatively yes
0: okay yes. all right I, I was gonna say i saw it on the schedule at one point and i didn't see it on the newest schedule but that would be fun if it, if there's one on each
1: coast absolutely and then we could get a better spectrum of riders too. get the east coast guys out there
0: sure sure that makes a lot of sense Let's talk about the off-season. What do you do that's different than our pro riders in the off-season between 2018 and 2019?
1: Let's see. What do I do that's different? Well, I drink a lot of beer, and yep. I don't work out. <laughs>
0: so you, you got plenty of traction.
1: Traction weight. You know, little, a yeah. little tummy on you.
0: You got to make sure those leathers fit right.
1: Absolutely. All right.
0: So you tell us what's different. How is it similar? In, in, in reality, how is it similar to what the pros do in the
1: off-season? Well, in the off-season, we're definitely still riding our motorcycles. You know, I still got out on the ice every opportunity I could. And, uh, of course, all winter long, you got the bike tore apart, making changes and upgrades and, and uh, looking for every tenth of a second you can get out of the bike. All
0: right. So you ride your race bike on the ice, or do you got a different bike that you ride? That you got a spare bike or a practice bike?
1: Oh, who are you kidding? We're hooligans. I got one bike. Ain't no practice bikes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys were making all the money out there in the hooligans. I thought I thought you guys were loaded and had you know backup bikes, a fleet of motorcycles and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Well, maybe maybe three or four of us. Maybe a few of the likes of Rolling Sands, but the majority of us are just working our bones, our, our bones off. And, uh, in the, during the week just to try and scrape up enough money for some fresh tires and, and enough gas money to get to the next race.
0: I love it. And that, and that's why you sold those t-shirts, right. To help get you to the races. Right. And that's, you know, that's, that's true. Absolutely. That's true pure flat track right there.
1: Yes, it is living out of a van and selling t-shirts to try and make gas money the next event. And, uh, I really love that about the Super Hooligan Series. It's it's really a grassroots and no real big corporate money getting involved to kind of murk up the waters.
0: I got you. And everybody's having a good time, right?
1: That's the main thing about this Super Hooligan Series is that, you know, everybody's down to help everybody. And at the end of the day, we're all drinking a beer and high-fiving in the pits.
0: That's great, man. I love that. So let's talk about 2019 a little bit. Uh, the evolution of the Super Hooligan Series, just, it's like a snowball. It's getting bigger and bigger. It's got more interest, and you're going to you're racing some amazing venues, and the racing go, is going to some big attractions like this weekend. Let's talk a little bit about the Austin track. You said it's on asphalt, and it's a TT. So how does that work out?
1: <laughs> well, I think they're going to build some plywood ramps for us on top of the uh asphalt kind of road-shaped course track okay should be a lot of fun you know because the moto gp's in town that weekend so it's the perfect venue to have a tt hooligan race on asphalt
0: that's perfect i love it have you jumped the harley before
1: well i have jumped it a couple times and i'm not gonna lie it's about the most awkward motorcycle i've ever had in the air (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: try try, try to get it back on the ground as fast as possible that's my uh my little tip to you
1: yes sir yes sir get some power back to <laughs> so, the ground exactly
0: so are you going to go to the moto gp too and check it out
1: you know i'd like to but i'm going to leave town saturday night and go up to waco texas uh they're running uh, on the half mile there and that is one of my favorite tracks i've ever rode on
0: okay so you're going to race that one too while you're down there
1: Yes, sir. Am my race that Sunday? I'm uh, theoretically on my way home back to Iowa. Okay,
0: I got you. That's kind of on the way, right? Wink, wink. (laughs) Hint.
1: Yep. Well, as far as my work knows, it is.
0: Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. You got to make it back to work. So, uh, you know, the schedule's, you know, it's bigger. It looks like a lot of cool events. What What race are you most looking forward to in the 2019 season?
1: You know, I'm looking forward to Paris. Paris is just Big, fast groove, and a hundred percent my style of racetrack.
0: All right. So you like the groove track, the the banking to it's going to be fitting your style, and and you're be running mm-hmm. with the AFT Grand Nationals. So that means I'm going to be calling your name a lot. So is that why?
1: Yes, sir. Of course, because <laughs> you're going to
0: be there, Scotty Doobler. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Anything else yeah. uh, that's really exciting about 2019 for you?
1: Daytona was really cool. That was uh, the last series, last round of course. Uh racing okay. inside the inside the Daytona 500 is pretty spectacular just to be there. Well, um, talk
0: uh, talk about that. I mean, just going through the tunnel to get into the infield, you know, I remember the first time I did it, it's something you'll never forget. And I never got to race inside there. So I'm a little jealous of, you know, all you guys, you know, in the in the modern era right now and and the hooligans got yeah. to run with the Grand National and and Tell us about what it's like racing
1: inside there. Oh, it's unreal. Just the scale of the place and the magnitude and the history. You know, if you if you grew up in the Midwest, you knew about NASCAR, whether you liked it or not. Someone was watching the NASCAR race that weekend. So to go in there and just think of all the history that's happened and then see the grandstands that fit, I don't know how many thousands of people it was just its a very surreal experience.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that. So uh, you didn't have the finish that you would like. I think you made the main, but you finished 11th. So what happened in the main event?
1: Oh, you know, I just got a bad hole shot. Um, started the second row, got a bad hole shot. And with the track conditions that the AFT provided us with, it my mind just kind of switched to survival over trying to, take some people out to get ninth place instead of 11th place you know but i accomplished my goal that day which was beat travis pastrana there you go (laughs) yeah
0: not a lot of people can say they've done that
1: yeah i i got a photo i found a photographer that got a picture of me coming out of turn two in the hole shot in front of him and i It's pretty much the greatest thing that's ever happened to me.
0: (laughs) You've got got to get that printed out, and you've got to get that signed by Travis. That would be so cool to to keep forever.
1: Yes, sir. Well, before the race, before I beat him, (laughs) I (laughs) went up to him. I went up to him and had him sign a bobblehead that I got in 2003 of him. So to be able to race him was pretty spectacular as well.
0: That is so cool. What What'd you think of his bike, that water buffalo, man? That was something that, – that was badass. I was in awe.
1: That was a killer motorcycle. But I just don't think that the big two-stroke and the stock frame chassis geometry was really the best for a dirt track bike. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. even though it was a bit of a handicapped race, hey, I'll still take it. i beat Travis Pastrana. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there you go. those those pipes were dragging i saw one picture he's pointed clear the other direction i don't even know how he stayed on that motorcycle
1: yeah me neither me neither but i didn't see it naturally i was in front of him when that happened but uh <laughs> it, 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 i saw a picture and it he said he almost high-sided and just grabbed a handful of throttle and Saved it somehow. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was crazy. So you're currently sitting fourth in the point standings. Um, are you happy with the way it's going so far? We're just a couple races in. And what are your goals uh, for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, I'm totally happy with the way it's going. Uh, let's see. Portland, Oregon, the first race. I won the dash for cash. And it's my first time beating Joe Cop, And I just couldn't be more ec- ecstatic about that one you know, that's some lifetime goal stuff right there. So with a great start to Portland, even though we didn't have the best results in Daytona, I am still totally happy with the way it's going. And this year is shaping up to be great. Uh, I got some new sponsors that I'm really excited about and plenty of time off of work. Thanks to uh, my uh, employers and it should be a really great season.
0: That's awesome. So What do you do when you're not racing motorcycles?
1: Um, Ride motorcycles, work on motorcycles, talk about motorcycles, dream about motorcycles. Perfect. Perfect.
0: (laughs) I love it. So, you know, the series has given away a couple of Indians, if I'm not mistaken. So what does a champion in your series win here in 2019? Do you know?
1: You know, I haven't heard the uh, official word on that one yet this year, but last year, it was a brand new FTR 1200, the street legal model. And, uh, it was, it was pretty decked out by rolling sands. So I'm looking forward to maybe one of those again and, uh, you know, street legal, heck, I could ride it to the bar and do some wheelies.
0: (laughs) You, you, You know, you're such a big Harley fan. You wouldn't sell it and go get you a new Harley.
1: You know, if it was that FTR 750 that's worth an arm and a leg, I would have sold that (laughs) sucker in a heartbeat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right on. I got you. Well, we're already winding down the episode. It's going quick, man. I'm loving it. We're having a good time. But now it's time for Graham's question. That's my grandma. I don't know if you've listened to our podcast or not, but she's a huge flat track fan, and she was probably at that race that you won in Sturgis. But uh, she wants to know what's the biggest misconception of hooligan
1: racers? Oh yeah. Okay. So first of all, we're not slow. I'd challenge any pro singles rider and most of the pro twins class to come out here and throw their leg over a 600 pound bike with a stock frame and try and make the main event. Um, yeah. And second of all, there is no money to be had in this just because there's a few people that know how to market themselves on social media and get some sponsorships does not mean that every hooligan writer out here is just getting thrown cash from sponsors because that is so far from the truth. It's not even funny. Okay. <laughs> so I'd All say right. those are my two biggest misconceptions there.
0: I gotcha. So on that note, are you going to have any more t-shirts anytime soon? You can do that again.
1: Yeah. You know, there's, I'm trying to get a new design made where uh, there's a farmer up the road that has this really cool silo that's leaned over so far. It's about to collapse any day. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd, I'd like to get a picture of me in the race bike in front of that and turn it into a little cartoon and make some new t-shirts for the season.
0: Are you going to keep the corn star on there?
1: Absolutely. You got to.
0: Good. Good. Okay. I was making sure. So Now we're at the end of the episode. It's time for our rapid-fire questions, so I'm going to ask you a question. You tell me the first thing that pops to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's your favorite bike you've ever ridden?
1: 750 Triumph, uh, 72 Bonneville.
0: Okay. All right. What's your favorite track besides Daytona 2019?
1: (laughs) Knoxville, Iowa. Oh, yeah. Fastest Uh, half mile in the world love that
0: place man i got some good memories there myself so uh you ever thought about getting your pro card back
1: absolutely not all
0: right all right so <laughs> racing
1: I, is the most fun i've ever had on a motorcycle
0: love it so you kind of tipped us off on this one just a little bit but here we go so this is kind of long so if you could challenge any one aft twins rider to a 15 lap dash for cash both of you are racing the same motorcycle At the track you pick out, who are you going to race?
1: Jeffrey Carver.
0: What track are you going to race it on?
1: Paris Half Mile, but since he's racing the National that day, let's say Knoxville, Iowa, September 17th, 2019.
0: Okay, and what motorcycles are you guys going to ride?
1: Well, I reckon we should both be on Sportsters. All right, love it. Who's going to win? Well, yours truly, of course.
0: All right, (laughs) I love it, man, so... So here we go. We're on to our next rapid-fire question. If you had to call out one hooligan rider right now for being a punk, who is it?
1: Oh, that's a tough, that's a split decision. First of all, I'd say Mark, A, Rusty Butcher, Mark Atkins. All right. Because he's just, he's too cool to race with us now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love Mark. He's a great dude. And B, Debrino, because he's a little punk. All
0: right. All right. So he's actually he's actually in my next question. So we've had him on the show. We've also had Jordan Graham on here and now you are yeah. the third hooli- our third hooligan rider. Who which hooligan rider should we talk to next?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um ooh, I have a good one in mind. I would say Josh Lay. He's uh he, he grew up as a surfer, he's in his forties and just started racing hooligans, and that guy is just phenomenal in every way shape and form
0: right on all right we'll write that down we'll try to get that knocked out in the future so last question for uh, rapid fire what are you most proud of
1: you know i have to say that i'm most proud of racing harleys and traveling the country with my father as, as much as i love racing i never thought that i would have the opportunity to be a racing a Harley and B traveling around to the races with my old man. Dude, that
0: that gives me chills. I got goosebumps right now because that's that's the you know one of the things I love the most about it. My dad went to almost every one of my races, and without him, I wouldn't have got to live my dreams. So I love that answer, man. It's been i I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've had a blast with you on the podcast, and we're wrapping things up here. So it's your time to say thanks to anybody, sponsors, family, whoever you want to say thanks to.
1: Go for it. Heck yeah. Well, first of all, I got to say, say thanks to my father, of course, um, and then definitely Dark Horse Crankworks. They stepped up big this year to help us out. And that's the first time I've had some support and some love like that, so I really appreciate it. Uh, we got Lindell Brakes, Walker's Way Custom Paint doing the wicked paint jobs on the race bike. He's a local boy. Dirty Biker Design, uh, Midwest Builders, Franklin Barber Shop helmets and of course my oldest supporters FTW Co.
0: Right on, man. We really appreciate the time. Good luck this weekend down in Austin, and uh, good luck in the rest of 2019. I'll be seeing you out there at Paris, California, here pretty soon.
1: Thanks a bunch, Scotty. I appreciate that, and it's been a pleasure talking with you. See you later. All right, Jordan. Take care, bud.
2: I said it. I said it before, and I'll say it again. Those hooligans are awesome calls. I, I love. I love the hooligan racers. You know,
0: you know, Jordan, I think Jordan Graham is my, still my favorite episode, but this one's right up there, too. And this is another Jordan. It's Jordan Baber. I don't know if it's just the name. I don't know if it's the Super Hooligan Riders or what it is, but uh, very entertaining. Uh, I love, you know, he spoke the truth. Yeah. He just like he said, he just racing to have fun.
2: Yeah, I, I'll tell you, like I, I kind of knew who Jordan Graham was and I kind of knew who Andy Debrino were before we talked to him. And I kind of knew who Baber was before we, we talked to him. I'm huge fans all three after talking to them like uh, I love the passion they have for their series the sport of flat track Um, even though you know, it's a little different deal The the passion and the love for the sport is real You
0: know what I found interesting too is the different route he took to get to where he is You know, he didn't grow up racing as a young kid like a lot of the, the people are now the pro riders He started a little bit later, which I did too and he raced a lot of vintage stuff He had his pro card for a little bit decided that wasn't for him he had that pro car just so he could race some District 17 races around home in the pro class. Yeah. But he let that go because he's having so much fun in the Super Hooligan Series. So, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter what you're racing. As long as you're having fun, going fast, turning left, sometimes jumping.
2: And his and his path to get there might have been a little different. But, you know, when my favorite part was the, and I know it was yours because I saw your face when he, when he said it, um, was traveling the country, do, racing flat track with his dad. Right. And, and that, that hits home no matter what, what kind of series you're racing, what bike you're on, or anything, right? That's what this is all about, essentially, right? Yeah. Spending I mean, time with the ones you love and, and the people that you love and, and doing what you love, right?
0: Dude, hours upon hours upon hours sitting in a van, you know, with your dad, you know, sharing stories, you know, talking about life. And that's just how flat track racers grow up. And, yep. and I love it, you know, and, and he did the same thing and he's still doing the same thing. And that's so cool.
2: Badass. Another one in the can, man. Episode 73. That's a wrap. You want to tease a little bit for next week? No. Good, because I don't know what to tease yet.
0: I'm struggling because I'm trying to get somebody that... Some other for some other champion wants to have on our yep. on our podcast, but I can't get it lined up yet. So I'm still working on it. It's going to be a big one if we can get it dialed in.
2: When uh, when not, you get it dialed in, it's going to happen. I believe. Okay, like, I'm, I'm going to keep like,
0: trying because maybe he's from Texas and that's where we're going next week. Well, and in, maybe I might be talking about a, a world famous tuner and maybe he might wrench for Jared Meese. I, maybe. just
2: it's like maybe. I, I compare. You know what I compare it to? I compare it to the great white whale of nascar like when i was when i was in the nascar days we like you'd have people come i need to get junior's autograph and i'd be like oh gosh you want junior's autograph I that's a, that's a big ask but I'm, I'm completely convinced we're gonna get this guy eventually and it's gonna be worth it you
0: know what i'm actually gonna call the guy because he doesn't like texting back yeah so i'm gonna make a phone call yeah. and uh, we'll see if we can't have him on next week
2: either that or we'll just call jared and have him dial him in on three-way or we could just surprise call surprise them and interview. just hit re- hit record. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, right. hey, Carter.
0: What? Tell all your friends. Tell them what? Give us a follow. To to smash that like button. Smash give that like button. Give us a like follow, button. and keep sending us feedback. We loved all the feedback we got last week yeah. from our flagman episode. <laughs> I know we we went a little a little uh, crazy on that one, a little hey, wild hey, on that one. You but, got to uh, every you know once in what? a while. We got some uh, we got some good feedback. And we really appreciate it. So look forward to it. Everybody keep her on two wheels, Carter, you keep it on four. Yeah. No more rear ends. No. And good. Uh, we'll see you next week.
2: Alright, buddy. We'll uh we'll talk to you, man. Have fun uh have fun at the trucks, the big monster trucks. Yeehaw. Oh boy. Getting ready for Texas?
0: Yeah, that too. Yeehaw. And uh when, when I first started doing monster trucks, they said you pay for the whole seat. But, but you only need, the, need edge. the edge. And then the other one is Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You got that nice microphone that makes you sound good. It does,
2: especially when you put this echo on it. Watch Sunday,
1: Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday.
2: Sunday. So jealous. The day before, the
1: day before Monday. Monday.
2: <laughs> Killing me, smalls. Beaver nuggets. All right, I'm out. Killing me. All right, dude, that was a good one.